So, you wanna save the weasel? No, Bobby. Not just a weasel. But life as we know it. I want Twin Peaks to remain unspoiled in an era of vast environmental carnage. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch on the Idle Thumbs Network. I am Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. This week, we're discussing the 24th episode of Twin Peaks, The Condemned Woman. It's a deep title this week. So accurate. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is episode 24, a.k.a. episode 23, a.k.a. season 2, episode 16. It was written by Trisha Brock. It was directed by Leslie Linka-Glatter, both of whom have worked on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe maybe this episode didn't need to exist. But we'll get into that in, <laughs> in a little bit, I guess. Oh, it yeah. also it first aired February 16th, 1991. Um, this is the first episode also before like a month and a half break. So I don't, oh, know, okay, I don't know what happened during that time because I don't know enough about the history of Twin Peaks. But it didn't come back until the end of March. Yeah. Man, so for you know. We're in the hobbling along phase. Yeah, yeah no kidding. We've been obviously reading the, you know, looking up the writers and directors of each episode for the entire run, which is the thing that's interesting, but I found it to get increasingly less illuminating and useful as we get in, like the further we get into this, just like deep, deep doldrums of season two twin peaks, because at this point I feel like it's all kind of irrelevant. Like the, the, the writer and director of any particular episode is like, it's interesting to talk about the director's sensibility and sort of individual shots and so on, but it's all kind of subsumed by just the kind of Peyton like angles, angles, just garbage fest that's been going for months now. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, their names are also on as many episodes at this point as yeah, Mark Frost and David Lynch's names were on the episodes in the first half of the show. Yeah. Where like, well, I assume one out this, of two episodes are written I, by them. I and could be totally wrong, but I kind of assume they're, they have a lot of influence on the writers. They've got us. Yeah. They're, they're just the hands behind the like, show at this point. At least one of them is an executive producer at this point, And yeah. 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 It's, so they're to blame. I, that's, I, I, if I have to blame someone, I'm going to ignorantly choose them. What would you do if they were called in to run Twin Peaks 2016? <laughs> in the absence of, in David, the absence Lynch. of David Lynch. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, no. I don't know how much we should talk about that. We haven't, we don't talk about like Twin Peaks news very much on this podcast, but since we recorded last week's to this week's, I mean, what we did say, part of the reason that we started this podcast is because we were excited when it was announced right. that Frost and Lynch were bringing back Twin Peaks for nine episodes next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then David Lynch said, like, a few weeks ago, there were some negotiating issues. Like, he said that, like, at a fan conference or, like, at an interview somewhere, just, just seemingly like randomly. offhanded comment. It just kind of came out. And people yeah. were like, what? Yeah. But then he, like... The last time he posted on Twitter was like months ago to post that picture of Kyle McLaughlin saying like damn fine coffee Twin mm-hmm. Peaks coming back. And then like two days ago he posted this just like multi-tweet tirade saying, well, guess couldn't work out. I'm not on Twin Peaks. Showtime didn't cancel it. I walked because they wouldn't give uh, enough money to the show to be the vision that I wanted. Right. So I'm gone. I've been calling all the actors and letting them know this isn't to say Twin Peaks is dead, but I am not involved in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And then, and then Showtime, I think the next day followed with a statement saying, we were taken by surprise by this. We are still 
we thought we were still working with David to figure out a yeah, deal. Yeah, like Showtime loves the world of Twin Peaks, and we continue to hold out hope that we can bring it back in all its glory with both its extraordinary creators, David Lynch and Mark Frost at the helm. And, like, people have been trying to postulate a bunch of what this could mean. Like, I've seen it even proposed, like, David Lynch didn't want to do it anyway, and he's just, just his way to wriggle out of it. I don't personally believe I doubt that's that true. To be the this, case. this feels like what's actually going on is that David Lynch likes Twin Peaks enough personally as a personal creation of his that he wants to do it on his terms or not at all. Like, it feels like he's being entirely honest with what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think probably right now it is. It's a stolen negotiating tactic. Like mm-hmm. I suspect, this is him that, just going to the mat yeah, to get what he wants exactly I mean, to make like, the well, show that he's wanted wanna, to make. Still want to make the show without me? Well, because like you know. he said that he and Mark Frost have been like sort of on and off working on the scripts for this nine episode series for like four years, and it's very clear that the two of them have been working aggressively hard over the last decade to consolidate all the Twin Peaks rights back to them where like they got the pilot, they got Firewalk with me, they got all the deleted scenes from Firewalk with me. Like they've been spending years and obviously get those commentary tracks. Well, (laughs) David Lynch has been making the Twin Peaks that David Lynch wants to make, including getting rid of those commentary tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like those were on a DVD and he chose to not put them on the next DVD release. So like he's, he's been working really hard at this and it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I really hope that David Lynch gets to direct these episodes because he wrote the scripts to them with Mark Frost. And also just, I honestly, at this point, don't care if they're good. I just want to see what 2015 David Lynch does. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, just, he's had 25 years to go off and do all this other crazy stuff. But then they'd been saying, like, oh, Twin Peaks is, is going to be shot on film. Right. It's going to be yes, sort of, that's it's going to have the same cast. It's going to hold, it's going to fit in with what he did before. But it would be, like... Not through the physical lens, but through like the sort of like metaphorical lens of a completely different person. Basically, oh, yeah. I don't know. It, <clears throat> but like, if Lynch walks, you look does, at the difference between how David Lynch did kind of surreal, unsettling stuff in Blue Velvet, which was like pretty much prior. That was pretty much what was prior to Twin Peaks, yeah, right? As I recall, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Between that and like Mulholland Drive, like mm-hmm. they're both you, you know, if you both of them are like, oh, it's weird. It's David Lynch, but like. The details of of that are so <laughs> different. It's, and, and Blue Velvet, Twin Peaks, and Mulholland Drive are all way cl- more closely connected than, than a lot of, of his other stuff. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's the Twin Peaks that people kind of like jokingly just refer to as like wacky old David Lynch. But there's actually a much broader uh, yeah. like repertoire of stuff in his career for sure uh, that that it is often I think diminished by that by those comments. But in that vein, I would be totally fascinated to see what comes out of a. Of a Twin Peaks that is now, I think, almost as far from Mulholland Drive as Mulholland Drive was from Twin Peaks. Yes. When did that come out? Like, 98? Mulholland Drive? Maybe later. It might have been a little later, but yeah. not much. It was it was late 90s, I think, or very early 2000s. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So, that's, that's probably a wrong thing that I said, but anyway. We're farther from that even. Stands. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, I mean, we're even a ways away from Lynch having done work on film. I know. That's a crazy thing, too, isn't it? Okay, 2001. But anyway, like, so it, but then, like... If if Lynch is not involved, I don't even know what my reaction is going to be. Like, is it, is Mark Frost going to run it? Is he going to walk if Lynch walks? Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Or the Showtime will just cancel it. But like, anyway, it uh, it was maybe more distressing to me than than it than it would have otherwise been being in the middle of yes, where we are I in know. Twin Peaks and then being I like, know. I can't like whatever we're going to get. Even the the sort of weakest moments that Lynch is involved with in the main run of the show. Are so much more interesting than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally up for nine not amazing but weird Twin Peaks, especially right now, man. 
Anyway. Well, here, here's what you're up for. You want to know what happened in this episode? Oh, do I? Wyndham Earl weaves a web. Audrey is concierge for a day. Nadine breaks up with Ed, who proposes to Norma. One of the scheming old guys dies. And Josie is in a knob now. Oh, she is. It's true. Do we, can we just start with the knob? Yeah, we can start with the knob, we I guess. Have, we don't have to start with the knob. I mean, the Josie stuff was like at least half of this episode, right? Or, yeah. I don't know. It was like at least a third. It was the, the single most significant thread. Let us begin with the tale of the condemned woman. <laughs> Shelly. Um, I, I'm, re- I'm looking at my notes from the whole first half of the Josie thing and I'm really, realizing I have nothing to say about any of it. It's all this just like Hank tries to make a deal about her. Albert wants to get her. Truman's mad about it. Cooper asks her questions. Catherine's pleased. Punch. I don't know. I like the, the one thing I have to say about any of that is that I like the really tense kind of bass heavy music that comes in as Catherine is messing around with Josie. It's a very eighties mm-hmm. John Carpenter kind of thing that I, that I enjoyed. Yep. And that, that comes back, I think again, at least once in the episode, it's, it's basically still all of Josie just being bounced around between all these old people. Yep. Like she's just completely subservient to, I was, I was glad that at the end of the episode that her arc at least had a like tiny inside a shelf. Uh huh. I, I was so glad that she turned into like a 3d morph face. No, at least, at least in like the last five seconds of Josie's arc, people started aggressively backstabbing each other and scheming again. Yeah, that's true. For like three minutes, which does not do anything for the like the last like five okay. weeks of just abusive garbage. It you was know, still abusive garbage. Yeah, you know, you don't know have to say about that. Okay, well, okay, I, I want to talk about fucking Eckert and Packard. So first off. Eckert got one more shitty, hilarious reveal of the elevator grate moving out of the way and then him being ominously know, there already. I know, I um, know. Okay, so the one thing is when when this episode uh, – it's not when it opens, but it's early in the episode when Pete is like makes a face out of breakfast and shows it to the guy. I seriously couldn't even remember which scheming old guy it was. I just wrote – Pete and other old white guy can't stop cracking up about Pete making a face in the breakfast. Oh, the guy and who wears I, the guy who wears sunglasses and and like evening gowns is like the Josie side person. They're both the Josie side person. They're both obsessed with Josie, right? But but one of them is Catherine's brother, and he it's the doddering I old know, guy. I know. I, I ended up figuring out the wh- confident old guy. I ended up figuring out that that guy was Andrew Packard because he wasn't ever shown dramatically turning around in sunglasses. <laughs> Except then, later in the episode, he puts on eyeglasses and dramatically like he's like, oh, oh, Andrew, like. But it's oh, he was he was, he was doing it to disguise himself, not to look cool. That's I you got to remember. There's calls- a Distinction. So, so the, the the one of those guys who isn't always dramatically putting on sunglasses dramatically puts on prescription eyeglasses and then calls out to the other guy. I know to have him look at. There him was while also he a scene it. earlier when Catherine was talking to Josie and she was like, "Josie, Andrew wants to meet with you tonight, but then you must confront Thomas. So when you talk to Andrew, be sure to say right. this to Thomas." And I was like, "Oh no, what is happening? Are is he trying to drive Josie insane by like driving us insane?" <laughs> so, so here's the here's the other like thing that drives me bonkers about Thomas can only tell lies. Andrew <laughs> can only tell the truth. Josie, you have one question. Um, the thing that was so uh, infuriating to me about the culmination of this was that basically every time... Okay, how long has 
Eckert's even been a character, what, like five episodes or something? Yeah, maybe? his name has been mentioned for approximately like seven episodes, and right. he's been on screen so, for five or yeah. something, so always like, turning around yeah. near fires. So if that even. And or so doors. Every every time anyone ever brings it up, it's, oh my god, Thomas Eckert. She's going to Thomas, Thomas Eckert. And like uh, Catherine tells Truman, like, oh, she's going to go to Thomas Eckert. And like, oh, fuck. Everyone, like, to Eckert, Josie fucking freaks out when she hears Thomas Eckert. Finally, he just like gets shot and died. What was ever with we've spent like months of our lives with this guy being built up as like the most just (laughs) just malevolent, terrible force, and then anyway, like all he does is turn around for a while and then get shot. No, because (laughs) he and Andrew are in the elevator and they've got the wacky glasses on, and then Andrew says. Josie set you up. She told me that she, that I was going to be killed, which I don't think happened. No, that was no. just an additional lie. Yeah, that seated, was just an additional. But that thing was to that was the second to last time over. that you see him on screen because the next thing you see is he's shot. Yeah, it's like what has happened here? But then Josie also dies and then morphs into a drawer pole. Yeah, Dozy, Dozy, mares. Uh, Josie basically dies of fainting, and then it was Bob, I guess. And then oh man, I forgot that that was there. What a what a way to ruin everything about Twin Peaks. Yep. What a way to just when she dies, man, oh, there's some good stuff. That whole scene, that whole scene has some of the most intense things ever that are bad in Twin Peaks. Like this scene <laughs> is a microcosm of bad because also, so whatever. Cooper breaks into the room, Thomas gets up and is shot. Like I liked Thomas getting up confidently. I thought that was fine. But whatever. Then Truman bursts in and says, put it down about the gun. But like, he can't yell act at all. That actor cannot. Like, right. it looked like, I don't even know what that looked like. It right. just looked, it looked insane. Like, Harry saying, put it down was just yeah. like, it looked like this is a completely specific and insane pull. But that weird fake scream that like lasts for too long that Jim Carrey does in Ace Ventura when he falls into wow. the tank and his I like face is going crazy. That. It's in the it was in the trailers and stuff. It just okay. it stuck with me forever as like overacting <laughs> face, like oh. just all eyebrows yeah, and yeah, mouth yeah. contorting. Okay, but when Harry's like, put it down, it's like <laughs> just like it felt like there was just like a randomizer on his you face. Just, you just looked like the face from Total Recall, the like old lady bomb face. <laughs> Two weeks face? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And then Josie fates and dies. But then, man, that was already just a cavalcade of bad. Right. But then when the spotlight goes onto Cooper's face, I just sort of went, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, anything good about Twin Peaks is now just being consumed by the bad. Yeah, it it really is. It feels like like, at least that other, you know, at least all the Lynchian stuff just hasn't been touched for, oh, no. Yep. There it is. It's Bob. It's the dancing guy. They're here. Bob say what happened to Josie? Yeah, what happened to Josie? Josie. And then just snap at fingers, guy. Anyway, fade him out. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'll tell you what happened to Josie, Bob. Uh, First, she was vignetted into a drawer pull, and then a 3D morph effect was, uh, (laughs) like a 3D model was texture mapped onto a drawer pull. So, all right, so the the 3D thing was, was really something. But even before then, was she... She's reflected in a a wooden knob. Why wasn't she at least reflected in something that's reflective? Is it because it would have been too too complex to to manage the? Apparently, re- Josie showing up inside of that was David Lynch's idea. I remember hearing as well. Oh man, that's hilarious. Where he's is like, it- "What if she was this?" And then anyway, I'm out of here. Bye. I'll see you. <laughs> is it because she's involved with a lumber mill, so she's in wood? I, I don't know. 
And then Josie's 3D face, I think, turns into Laura Palmer's face, or do they just keep Josie's face up for the entire end credits? That face was too primitive for me to make such a fine distinction. No, I mean, like, does it does it cut to Laura's photo after that, or oh, not? Oh, I think so, yeah. I stopped watching when it said produced by, like, Frost and Lynch's names right. came up over that over that 3D <laughs> model, and I just turned it off. Right. So I don't know if it cuts to Laura yeah, and I'm plays the sure Laura Palmer theme. Oof. <laughs> yep, it's cool. It's not cool. Oh, man. Well, got the freeze frame, too, and all her moaning. Just, ugh. I mean, I totally believe that that's a thing that David Lynch would have come up with because that guy, that guy's sense of sort of dream logic is so, like, in it's, it's, um, he'll just do weird shit. And I mean, like, I know I, I took issue with people just saying that about him, but in doing the weird thing, he will encase it in what feels something that feels very intentional and consistent with something, even if you have absolutely no idea what it's consistent with, but this didn't feel like that at all. It just felt, it just felt totally goofy. And I think part of that might've just been part of it. Maybe even was just the direction of Josie while she was screaming inside the thing. I don't know. There were a lot of moments in this episode that just felt to me like the actors did not know what to do with the material they were given. Yeah. Man, yeah, there were some there was just some clunkers across this episode. Like there was like I feel like this episode has some of the worst performances. Yeah, I agree. In, like by, especially by like the actor and actress who play Ed and Norma. Like Norma yeah, has I some know. Norma has some terrible shit. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. You want to talk about that whole thread? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Ed, Norma and Nadine. All right. So, this had one of the few few moments I liked in this episode where uh Nadine comes home and breaks it. Even though she already broke it to Ed that she and Mike are in love, she breaks it to him again, I guess. Well, now they have, she's, she is, not only are they in love, but they have, like, it's, it's been consummated. Apparently. I know, which makes you really wonder what, how <laughs> like, that went for Mike. I know. I like that Did Mike Ed get just, raped? I, maybe Mike's into it now. Maybe. They went on a wrestling vacation. But maybe, or maybe, maybe Mike was raped. Yikes. Maybe the true storyline of Twin Peaks 2016 is when Norma fall out of Norma gets possessed by Bob. Oh God! Or Nadine, not Nadine. Norma. Right? That would be a disaster because she's just infinitely strong. Yeah. I, man, Mike and I on that wrestling trip, we had the most magical night together. And then Ed like pulls a face or something, and then Nadine's like, "Well, you and Norma did it." I know that was amazing. <laughs> then, okay, well, so, that's fair. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> well, so okay, so so the thing I love about this this scene is that. It gets just the full-on Twin Peaks theme music mm-hmm. in the background. That like, so it's it's this thing where she, where where she's going like, well, you and Norma did it, and that and like, which is obviously like played as a as sort of a gag. And then in the background, you've got the big swelling thing, right? And then it kind of like it reaches the the high climax of the song after she finishes breaking up with him, and it's this like because of the music and because you know what Ed has been just like baffled by all of this. It ends up being this weirdly triumphant moment for Ed where he's just, he's kind of he receiving looks, this knowledge right. while the music is like, bah. but he looks so confused by it. I know, but he kind of always looks that way. And then it's one of the worst editing jobs ever in twin peaks right there because like the music kind of ends and Ed looks confused and it just cuts like 10 frames too late into uh, Catherine looking through the blinds, but like a conversation's already going on. Oh, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. anyway, whatever that was, Mm-hmm. 
as far as this episode just being kind of hastily assembled. It, right. But yeah, that, that scene. <laughs> you and Norma did it. <laughs> well, that's fair. Well, that's fair. Um, God, the entire James arc, all I wrote was, it's James. James leaves on a vision quest. Oh, don't you, don't, you don't want to say about, about the rest of, of Norma and, uh, and all the other whatever? You don't care? What else? Oh, I guess he just says, we deserve to be happy. It's our turn, baby. And uh, Shelly sneaks out of the diner. <laughs> right. That's all. I guess there's nothing else. In it. They propose, they, he proposes to whatever, and she asks for a divorce. And Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess there's nothing. I liked the scene with her and Hank a little bit, even though it was bad. But I, I mostly it was fine. I, I mostly liked it because Hank screams Norma and rattles the bar of the jail cell, and he basically almost destroys that set. Oh, because the it's the most yeah. cheaply built stuff in the world, yeah. apparently. One of the things I liked was, so Norma had a lot of bad lines this episode. I thought that one of her good ones was when he like. Gives oh, her we this have whole to sp- talk about this scene. Go ahead. Uh, is he he gives her this whole spiel, and she's just like, "That's very interesting, Hank." Yes. And I just really liked the way that she, I just liked how she uh, just shut that down. Okay, we have to talk about this for a second because she mm-hmm. ends it by saying, I'd rather be his whore than your wife. Right. When we were watching this, Dana was like, that's weird. Hold on. And I'd rather be his whore than your wife is also said by Kate Winslet in Titanic to Billy Zane. Also notable is that the actor who plays Thomas Eckert is also in Titanic. So that line and two actors from this episode are in the James Cameron movie Titanic. There's no relation to Twin Peaks at all. What? Just a weird, there's an insane Venn diagram going on where a character says, I'd rather be his whore than your wife. Wow. But it's said to an actor who is introduced in this episode and an actor who and, uh, in a film in which stupid Thomas Eckert is also in. So there's a strange link between Titanic and this stupid episode of Twin Peaks. Weird. Yeah, that's all. All right. What is what if you is, if you look up that line on Google, like the thing that it autocompletes is Titanic Twin Peaks at the end of it. <laughs> what a crazy thing. All yeah. right. Huh. Anyway, cool tri- Twin Peaks tribute in Titanic. I guess they're like we just need to cast sort of just like a slimy weird guy in this movie oh let's look at twin peaks oh billy zane is the only actor in this who we could conceivably cast (laughs) in a james cameron movie but we'll cast him in the twin peaks role of a sort of asshole man to whom someone (laughs) would say i'd rather be his whore than your wife because we can't cast that guy who played hank no way (laughs) james cameron wouldn't go for it but billy zane was in twin peaks so in your version of this the the they deliberately reference twin peaks but don't deliberately reference the line well, maybe because no, I mean it's not like they already have the line in your version of this, and there's like anyway, Twin Peaks is probably where we would get find. Yeah, like they're like, oh, who says that? Oh, Norma says that to Hank in Twin Peaks, so we should maybe look there for actors who would receive right, such I just a line. Wanna, right? No, I just I understand that. I just want to know like how the line got formulated for Titanic in your version of this story. Oh, James Cameron probably just had Twin Peaks on in the background. Like, oh, oh I love, love that line. Wife is like, oh, I've come up with this now. <laughs> As he's watching his like VHS European bootleg of Twin right. Peaks, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Wyndham Earl? Yeah, let's talk about how many episodes in a row Twin Peaks can open on with a shot of a chessboard. God, yeah. Speaking of that, this opens with "Now, Dale, listen carefully. It's your move." Why would anyone have to listen carefully to that? Is the only shit that you've been doing for like a month. <laughs> you don't need to listen. Ca- Obviously, it's your move. They, uh, we understand. The, the reason that bothers me so much is because this entire episode is full of people saying things over dramatically without any 
significance or weight behind it. There's so much just like, there's so many just kind of zingers and like over portentous lines and things that don't mean anything, but people have to say them dramatically. It's full of that shit. Oh man. Uh, never mind. I'll, I'll so we'll get to it. And then, um, there's a like just also in terms of performances and just lines, Cooper, you know, Truman's like, Oh, can't believe this or whatever he says. And then Cooper's like, Harry, if Wyndham wanted to kill me, I'd already be dead. And then Harry just has this like five second pause. And he's kind of goes, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> really, was, his brain was, I wish you were dead. <laughs> it was really weird. I don't know. I, none of this stuff just has any weight at all at this point. Pete gets to play chess. Everyone gets letters. Why do they all just do what the letter says? Why don't, why do they all just unquestioningly all like get a weird, anonymous, creepy, like torn up letter and then all just do what it says without like bringing it up to anyone? They all basically know are like personal friends with both Trooper and Truman and (laughs) Trooper and Kuman. Uh, Trooper is their, is their, uh, their their couple name. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Truman and Cooper, like they all know these people constantly at this point. Why not at least just call them up and be like, "So, so I got this weird note thing. Tells me to just do a thing. I don't usually get notes like this." As usual, three characters like that who have been in the show since the pilot and are actually way stronger characters at their core than they're allowed to be. Right. Even just having them act off each other for five seconds, even in the shittiest circumstances, is such a relief in the middle of Twin Peaks. Like right, right. when all three of them got together and shared those notes and were like catching up after what is probably actually weeks, yeah, it's if true. not months, of not yeah. seeing each other. I was just like, oh, good. Yes. You guys, be, please have the show be about you solving this mystery. Yeah, have it be about anything. Oh, it's not that. It's actually going to cut to Wyndham Earl in a trucker hat and a like fat weird. suit. Like, what is a pillow <laughs> in his chest? Why is he even wearing a costume? He's a, he's a master of disguise, he Jake. He is not. <laughs> but, oh, man, that contrast is just like, oh, you are all actors cast by the original casting crew of Twin Peaks. You're all actually really strong. Like, even Audrey... Uh, Sherilyn Finn did a really good job in the beginning of this episode. I thought mm-hmm. I thought the scene when she when she meets Billy Zane was like one of the standout Audrey moments in like a year, probably of her at least like kind of acting. Oh man! But then it cuts to Wyndham Earl in his trucker costume. <laughs> what a strange! He's like he's like the kind of character who would be in like a movie about a character who's supposed to be a master of disguise but is like actually inept at it and ends up solving things on accident, like inspector gadget. Right. Like that, that, that's about how Windermere feels to me at this point. He's just like the weird bumbling guy who's like, his yeah, dog. He's the villain the in like a Mike Myers, Twin Peaks. Send right. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He is exactly. D- he is two, do- like two James Bond villains. Like what Dr. Evil is. Right. Like, yes. Basically. Yes. <sighs> yeah. Like, if if Bob and all and Leland and all of that stuff was the real Twin Peaks, this is now like the love guru version of <laughs> Twin Peaks. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I feel like this episode may be a short episode of Twin Peaks rewatch. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Because is there anything else to talk about? I guess there. Oh, there's the whole Audrey Benhorn thing. Yeah, I, I don't feel like there's a ton to even. Talk we get some about new music. It. We get some weird steel slide guitar that comes in whenever that dude is with Audrey. Yeah. We get that. I guess, like, 
We get Ben in like a sick pastel tracksuit. Yeah, I liked Ben's tracksuit. I felt like that's like Ben Horn moving into uh like that was actually like an upgrade, an era upgrade for Ben Horn's sleaziness. Like I feel like he went from like <laughs> yeah. what looks like a, like Ben Horn looks like uh, an early '80s villain early on. Like he looks right. like early mid '80s, yeah, yeah. And early now 80s he's, corporate shark, and now he's a '90s corporate shark for it's sure true. with that yeah. tracksuit, yep. and also with his plan to use endangered animal I know, protection. Right? Oh man, like, I was actually like that. That all rang yeah, like I, legit Ben Horn to me in a way totally that I was really, really, really into. And he's back to just like water under the bridge with Catherine. I mean, not that he would want to right, work with like, her again. He's, but he's like, like, and it's her, it's her mill after all. Yep, whatever, yep, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, <laughs> like. That was really good, except that it was couched in this whole thing with Billy Zane's character trying to work in, like, why was that there? Yeah. It was there because, because. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Although. He and Audrey tracked better to me than, than the, than he and the horns, but I don't know. He and Audrey. The, the, I, I was more into that aspect of the storyline than. Oh, than I ben guess Horn I wasn't, I was. I didn't care about it at all. It's a, re- we're on a relative scale here, Chris. <laughs> we're enough. grading on a curve. Yeah. But it, none of it was anything. Anyway, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say when he, when, uh, so Bobby's just there because I guess he's just around now. Bob and, Briggs. And, and, and or, when, what uh, does, he, does he call him Bob Briggs? I, I think maybe. Sorry. Uh, when, when Ben Horn introduces the, what is, what kind of weasel is it? It's like a something weasel. Oh, it's like Mustella Pinus, the little pine weasel. Oh, yeah, the pine weasel. And Bobby's like, what, a weasel? Like, <laughs> he just, pronounces it in this weird over enunciated way where his only contribution to the whole episode is basically to go a weasel oh well he was also there to be introduced as this is my uh like associate or like my personal my executive assistant bob briggs which totally cracked me up but then yeah Uh, then his only line is a weasel (laughs) also i like that ben announces that he's considering a run for the senate all that uh, after all this and takes a big old chomp yeah a carrot or whatever it is he's eating celery huge celery stock. huge celery stock right yes yeah 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 anyway it ends with josie turning into a 3d drawer pole mm-hmm. which cooper then carves into a whistle <laughs> <laughs> and he summons bob it's his new it's this, this show just goes just goes for it i need the power of bob now <laughs> He actually plays like a saucy clarinet solo on he it. He plays okay. This is what this this is what this would be. He a, he plays the little thing. He summons Bob. Okay, he summons his coat. He's like White Lodge coterie, which includes which is like the the White Lodge team or something. Which is like Bob climbing up from behind whatever's around. Josie appears in whatever piece of wood to like give him sassy advice. A small child hands him some cream corn. Yeah, get little like dancing guy dances around the corner. This is like his. This is like the Captain Planet team. <laughs> Yeah, but he actually builds a duck call out of it. It just goes. <laughs> and then they show up. <laughs> yeah, Mike just kind of blusters in or climbs uh, under. My, uh, Bob crawls over something. And he then crawls Mike, over whatever. Mike sort of yeah. falls out of a door in a, like a sweaty haze. <laughs> Am I late? <sighs> He's the wacky one. I'm here. <laughs> I heard your call. That's true. That is who he is, actually. Yeah. While just trembling and sweating. He's the he's the uh and they he's the like, crazy vampire mysteries. guy from uh from uh Venture Brothers. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. Uh Well I don't know. 
What do you think? You want to call this? I guess. I'm I'm so un unenergized to take listener mail at this point, given the state of the show we're in. So I feel like I want to wait till we get back. To I know. I want to get things. back to till there's stuff that we're excited about. Like I mean, yeah. Actually, you know what? Before we wrap up, if we are wrapping up, uh, we Jake and I, along with uh, Sean, one of the co-hosts of our video game podcast, Idle Thumbs, have started a new television podcast uh, in addition to this one, which is why we're releasing Twin Peaks Rewatch a little bit later in the week now. Uh, we have launched The End of Mad Men, which we are going to be posting every week uh, following the release of the last episodes of Mad Men, the AMC 60s era drama. Uh, we released our first episode on Monday of this week covering the sort of like pseudo season premiere of this this final half season of the show and uh, we'll have at least six more of them. So if you watch Mad Men, you should give that a shot. You can go to endofmadmen.com to find it. Get even more of us talking about TV shows in your ear if you need that to be happening to you. Which you do. You do. Yeah. Let's be honest. You do. Yeah. And that's that. So yeah, thanks for listening. If you liked Twin Peaks rewatch, if you're sticking with us through through the, also, the real trial, thanks to everyone who's sticking with us through know, the really, insanity yeah. of Twin Peaks. I feel like we're all going on this journey together. I know, really, I'm glad we have like a bunch of people who are uh, sort of trucking along. And yeah, and it'll be interesting for how did I get through this in the first place? I guess it's because we just you just blazed through blasted. it. Yeah. And like now we're finally getting to like me remembering I still can't remember the exact episode that was the last one I watched, but like we're we're hitting the we're hitting the point. <laughs> I think I got up to like the Miss Twin Peaks stuff though, which is a few episodes away. That's like I got close to the end. I remember yeah, what's funny is I forgot so much of the stuff that we're in now and there's still so much stuff that I remember as being like core Twin Peaks season two characters and plot lines that haven't even started yet. And there's not even that much left. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it's, if it feels in quotes worth it to you who are listening for the first <laughs> time when we get to the end and we get to the movie. But I think like, I don't know. It's not like a revelatory experience, but at least there's some really, there's some good stuff at the end. Yeah. So if you've enjoyed this weird journey with us, uh, why not rate us on iTunes? It, it helps us out a lot. It helps us get, uh, more attention on the uh, iTunes charts. Please do not conflate your rating of us and this podcast with your rating of the current state of Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That is all yes. that we ask. Yes, thank you. Um, we are at uh, TwinPeaksRewatch.com and you can find links to all our stuff there. Um, thanks for listening. Oh, you can also write us at TwinPeaks at IsleThumbs.net. We will get back into reader mail once we're feeling a bit more energized about the show. Because we do really enjoy that part of it. Yep. Thanks. See ya. Bye.